Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wild Card Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. And good morning, everybody. Welcome, Morning Drive. Goodman Hurdle. Watch us, MyLifeSports.com. You can reach us, Roller Auctions, Twitter feed at Bruce Hurdle at Eric Goodman tomorrow. There's an auction for computers, thousands of sports cards, golf equipment, bicycles, Apple TVs, workout equipment, and more. The auction is open right now. RollerAuction.com. Get notifications about upcoming auctions at RollerAuction.com. Backslash MHS. In the meantime, Sasquatch and Wildcard Casinos and Blackhawks. Another great giveaway this time. You're going to get a Mustang RTR and nearly $28,000 in cash. You get to pick what you want. Weekend of March 8th. Awesome promotion, as always. Head on up there. See how you can win. They have a great sports book. Outstanding food. 99-cent menu. And it's a family-owned casino that treats you like family. Good morning. How are you? Good morning, my friend. How are you on a Tuesday? I am good. I think there are a lot of baseball fans around here, a lot of Rockies fans who are very excited about the possibility of Todd Helton going into the Hall of Fame. Yep. Uh, The one thing that I do find a little bit curious, this is not a knock, I'm just saying this as a casual observer, have you noticed a strong push from the Rockies for him? No. I don't remember one really for Larry Walker that much, too. I mean, they got behind him, obviously, and, and did a really nice job once that became... That wasn't as much the Rockies as it was an organization called Sabre. Sabre is is run uh, by a good friend of mine who's going to be joining us later on the show, mm-hmm. Danny Evans. Danny Evans used to be the GM of the Dodgers. He spent a lot of time with a lot of different ball clubs. His partner in crime is a guy named Manny who pushed real hard. Big, big, hard stat guys uh-huh. that really, if it wasn't for them, this isn't even an exaggeration. If it wasn't for Danny and Saber and Manny and Ryan Spader, Larry Walker is not in the Hall of Fame. Okay. Larry Walker will tell you without their push, he doesn't get in. They are pushing for Helton, but I don't think is hard. My, it's not a concern, but really when I look at the Rockies, where is the media blitz on, on Helton for him? I mean, where's the media blitz from the Rockies on Helton? If he's the greatest player in franchise history, yeah. don't you think the Rockies would be pushing him harder? I think the Rockies are just kind of generally passive anyway, aren't they? Well, that's really a shame. I, I, yeah. I, well, in a case like this. The guy that you consider to be right. the best player in your franchise history, and they are not doing a media blitz for him. Well, I mean, stop and consider. You've got Larry Walker in. I hope that they get Todd Helton in today. I think they will. It'll be by the skin of their teeth, but I think that he will get in. Right. Then your next guy is probably Nolan Arenado, and who knows what his feeling of connection will be to the Colorado Rockies by the time he goes in. Dude, that's irrelevant. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer, period. You just, so what? I just just said. Yeah, there there doesn't need to be a push. I don't, yeah, but I don't know what his... Yeah, I don't know what his feeling and connection is going to be, and his affinity for the Rockies will be at the point that he goes in. After that, crickets. Yeah. I mean, there's there's no one even remotely close to being on the horizon to keep your eye on for the Rockies. Well, they've never won a division. Right. They had a magical 
aberrational run to the World Series. Which was totally cool, but a one-off of one-offs. Why would there be a push for really many Rockies when they've never really had good teams? So why would the Rockies, I guess... Because they prop him up as the best player in franchise history. And by the way, he's not. And neither is Larry Walker. It's Nolan Arenado, by far. We we could talk about no no you no, I, I don't know by far by far I, I mean you're talking you're, you're talking about seven by far okay you're talking about seventeen years over eight if if you want to so. lean if you want to lean on longevity that's fine well I mean he was off Todd Helton was pretty damn good the first half of his career no he wasn't okay no he wasn't Not he right. was mar- I covered him. I covered him. So, so you covered him. So what? I don't care if you covered him. Let me tell you about. I mean, I you can look at numbers. You can look at metrics. Yep. The, the guy was a damn good ball player. Okay. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. Okay. Real quick. Time now for the lead. <laughs> the lead presented by Sasquatch Casino and Blackhawk. I can make a case for Todd and against Todd. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Here's my case for Todd. And I've made this very clear. I don't like him at all. I know. If the Rockies offered him to our show tomorrow, you would be doing the interview alone. And I would not be a part of it. That's how much I despise him. Hmm. Okay. And by the way, I'm far from alone. With that. You've always been able to separate that, though. That's right. that's, That's a very good thing about you. Here's the thing about Todd Helton. I'll make a case for him. I think... Baseball players, really good, really, really good baseball players, Mm -hmm. should be in the Hall of Fame. He was a baseball player's baseball player. Okay. He was a guy that every time he went to the plate, he would force a pitcher to throw 10 to 12 pitches. He would battle you with the plate. He'd wear out a pitcher, and he had an unbelievable eye at the plate. He was one of the best doubles hitters of his generation. He was unbelievable with his eye when it came to taking walks, strikeout to walk ratio. He walked more times than he struck out. I think he's an underrated fielder. Why do I say that? For a guy who has three gold gloves. I say that because there were other really good fielding third basemen mm-hmm. in his era. But if First he, baseman. First baseman. Right. But if you ever watch Troy Tulowitzki throw the ball from shortstop, yep. um, and Troy was a great player, but he, he Troy Tulowitzki <laughs> was the kid that you played catch with in the neighborhood, and you were 10 feet away from him, and he would throw it as hard as he could. Right. Everybody had that kid in the neighborhood. Sometimes Tulowitzki was off his mark, but boy, did he get the ball out fast. Helen had to play backstop a lot. Yes. And he was an unbelievable backstop. With that... His on-base percentage, easily Hall of Fame. Easily Hall of Fame. I think it's like 414 on-base percentage. But I'm not putting a guy in the Hall of Fame because he had a great eye and a great on-base percentage. We can go over his numbers. My argument is I'll look at his longevity. Okay. Okay. Now, here's my case against him. He had six great seasons. He had a Gale Sayers career. He did. He had a Gale Sayers, Terrell Davis career. He had six outstanding seasons. Three of them, there was no humidor. None. He was not a 49 home run hitter. He was not a 42 home run hitter. That wasn't him. Right. Sorry, it just wasn't. 
And when you don't have a humidor, you are going to have numbers like that. His batting average post-humidor for like the first three years was really good. Mm-hmm. I am not going to debate that. People will say, well, look look at all of his hits. He played a long time. Yes, that's correct. The final nine years of his career, to say that he did not justify his contract is an understatement. It really is. So for a guy who had all the hits that he did, and he certainly had a lot of hits, I would say, well, what's the benchmark for hits for a for a 200 hits? Is that right? That's 200 for a season. Yeah. 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 He did it twice. He walked a lot. He sure did. And he hit a ton of doubles. The humidor came into play in 2022. I believe. One, two, yeah. Uh, 2022. No. 2022. I'm sorry. My bad. 20, 2002. 2002. Right. My bad. The couple seasons before, 2,000, 42 home runs, 147 RBI. As much of an aberration as you're going to get for him. 49 home runs, 146 the following season. Boom, here comes the humidor. 30 home runs, 109. That's who he was when he was healthy. Next season, remember I said six really good seasons. 2003, 33 home runs, 117 RBI. 2004, 32 home runs. I'm not going to fault him for 96 RBI. That team was garbage. That was Todd and the Toddlers. After that, 20 home runs, 15, 17, 7, 15, 8, 14, 7, 15. Right. Sorry. Those aren't Hall of Fame numbers, but he had a, but he had a, a spot in his career for about six years, which he was really, really good. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm not putting a guy in the Hall of Fame for six great seasons. Well, you but, did with Gail Sayers and you did with Terrell Davis. Terrell Davis. Terrell Davis is three great seasons. Mm-hmm. Or whatever you want to call it. Yep. Um, We're seismic. I get it. Yeah. I totally get and, it. And oh, by the way, it is harder to get into the Baseball Hall of Fame than it is the NFL Hall True of Fame. that. Okay. Yep. Batting averages. Helton was really, really good. I, I won't debate that. But for those three seasons, 320, 372, 336, 329, 358, no humidor, by the way, or or with a humidor, 358, 347. After that, 2005 on, batting average 320, 302, 320, 264, 325, yada, yada, yada. The point is baseball, to get in the Hall of Fame, is all about numbers. Mm-hmm. You're right. And his numbers were outstanding for six seasons. And three of them, there is no humidor. I am not. I can make a case for him, though. And honestly, would I vote for him? Yeah, I would seriously consider yeah. and probably lean towards yes. And and I think that that is, I think that you have described this perfectly this morning. Both sides of the equation. I think that there's a lot of meat on the bone. I think that's the reason that we're six years in with Todd Helton. And we are at a point where he's probably going to get in with, what do you think, 77 78% of the vote? Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So there is plenty of leeway for debate, yep. which is part and parcel of what makes baseball so It's fun. It, it's yeah. fun to be able to debate these. I think that you're right on target. 
I think that Todd Helton is a debatable Hall of Famer. Yes. But he will get in. So I will leave it at that. I, I would say my general sense for Todd Helton is that he's a Hall of Famer. Is he a slam dunk Hall of Famer? No. By degrees, no. But he's still a Hall of Famer, I think. And I think that he'll be voted in today. And, 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 but there's a reason that we're sitting here six years later and he hasn't gotten in. So there is room for debate on it, but yeah. And you're right. I mean, it, it, you don't just look at it and just like sweep him into the hall of fame, but that's kind of been the process for the last six years. And here we are today. I, I think he's going to get in because anyone with his profile has gotten in. Anyone that has broached 70%, anyone that's gotten to 72% has gotten into the Hall of Fame. Right. But your arguments are good on both sides of the equation. You think C.C. Sabathia is a Hall of Famer? Mm, I'd have to... I, it, I'd have to really bear down on him, and I and I haven't. I think he would go in. Here's the thing, and I know that we need to hit a break. <clears throat> One reason why Helton may not go in is because putting three guys in in one year doesn't happen very often, does it? No. Okay. So Adrian Beltre is definitely going it, in. That's this year. going in. And Joe Mauer. Joe Mauer's go going in. in. Yeah. Ne- so when you say he's definitely going in, be careful. First time guys next year are Sabathia and Ichiro. Yeah. We both know that they will be going in. Yes. Right. Now, 2026, first-time candidates are Cole Hamels and Ryan Braun. I feel better about my chances that year. Yes. If I get out to eight. Now, remember, he's got 10. He's got 10 on the ballot before you get into veterans committees and things like that. So, um, yeah, I, I would say that I am pretty reasonably optimistic. Coming up after the break, CBS Sports graded all 30 NBA teams, the Nuggets, have one of the best records in the NBA. So you would think they would definitely be an A, right? No. That's next. Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. Welcome back. Morning Drive, Goodman, here Hurdle. Watch us at mylifesports.com. You can reach us. Roller Auctions Twitter feed at Bruce Hurdle at Eric Goodman tomorrow. There's an auction for computers, thousands of sports cards, golf equipment, bicycles, and more. The auction is open right now at rollerauction.com. Get notifications about upcoming auctions at rollerauction.com. Backslash MHS. Time now for The Buzz. The Buzz is presented by Castle Rock Men's Health and Castle Rock and Aurora. See why Eric only trusts his health with Dr. Lee at Castle Rock Men's Health. CBS Sports graded all 30 NBA teams, and they gave the Nuggets a B. Teams that received an A- or better. 
Celtics, 76ers, Clippers, Minnesota, Pacers, and OKC. This is what Sam Quinn wrote about the Nuggets. And very rarely do I read something from a national guy and say, this guy really has his finger on the pulse of this team. But it's as if Sam Quinn covers this team locally because literally word for word, even the prepositions that he used, (laughs) I agree with. Depth will never be Denver's strength but the team hasn't taken a massive step back without Bruce Brown. So that's a win. You won't find many underlying flaws here besides a bit of apathy. That happens to former champions. The Nuggets are fattening up on the NBA's worst teams, but are treading water against the big boys. As a result, unlike last year, has been a real fight for seeding. The top of the West is so tight there's a real chance the Nuggets have the fourth seed. That likely doesn't bother them much. They went 6-3 and on the road in last year's playoffs, but a stronger conference and more road games are going to make their bid to repeat harder than last year's title run. The Nuggets can flip the switch when they're ready, but thus far this season, they've been closer to good than great. Yeah, I don't think there's anything there that that you could really take exception to. In fact, I think it's all very much within within the... uh, within our understanding and our and our belief of this basketball team right now. I'm not totally positive about the apathy part. I do think that it's harder to repeat a title than it is to win it the first time. And that challenge is something or other that the Nuggets are dealing with. I'm not sure I would describe it as apathy, but yeah, that's but, fair. but but generally, but generally, generally, yeah, I th- I think that Sam is is in the ballpark on the court. I think the reason why they have struggled against the better team so far in the league, and I understand they beat the Celtics, sure, but they've lost to Minnesota, they've lost to OKC. Losses are okay. Eighty-two game schedule. You know the term is used all the time. They have a target on their back. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if they have a target on their back against bad teams. Those bad teams probably aren't going to win anyway. Right. No matter how much motivation they have, unless you're playing the NFL game, which is any given Sunday. But when you have teams like Minnesota, when you have teams like OKC, feeling they have something to prove. Sure. have never won a title. They feel they have a really good team. They really do get geeked up for the games against the Nuggets. And if the Nuggets are not playing their A game, they're probably going to get beat. Now, if they're playing a B-plus game, I think the Nuggets have a starting five in which they can beat most teams anyway. As you know, I'm not a numbers guy, and I talk about stats where you can take a stat and you can skew it either way. This number sticks out to me. I actually did a deep dive on this particular number, and the number is 26. And this is the number that worries me a lot about the Nuggets in the playoffs. Generally speaking, when you look at the teams in the playoffs last year, you have your starting five, Mm -hmm. and then your sixth guy played roughly 26 minutes a game in the playoffs. Yep. That guy for the Nuggets was Bruce Brown. Who is that guy on the Nuggets? Right now, it's Reggie Jackson. It's, you're not putting Reggie Jackson out there for 20 You just asked me who right it now. is right no, no, now. No, That's is. my answer. Who it is, but you're going to lose bat. You're going to lose 
a bunch of basketball games if Reggie Jackson is playing 26 minutes a game in the playoffs. What does that mean? You're taking Murray off the floor mm-hmm. or you're taking KCP off the floor. To me, Bruce Brown and KCP were interchangeable. So it really didn't matter that much which guy was on the I floor. I would agree with that. With Reggie Jackson. Yeah, it's a different different creature. He and KCP are not interchangeable. Reggie Jackson is a decent defensive player, but Bruce Brown played multiple positions right. on the defensive end. You could count on him for a big shot. You can count on him for points. And so for KCP, great three-point shooter, outstanding defensive player. So I didn't have a problem with KCP, what, having, a, a, what, 32 minutes a game in the playoffs? Yeah. That's because Bruce Brown played a bunch of minutes. Sure. But for Reggie Jackson, you don't want him playing. It's not, and if he's listening to the show, which he's not, it's not a knock on him. His game just doesn't translate right. to the way KCP's does but, and Bruce Brown. Right. But my answer underscores the problem, right? If Because if it's not him, you're not playing Peyton Watson that much. You're not going to play Christian Brown that much. So now you're now you are left with the if you're using the the number twenty six, and um and it doesn't have to be twenty six, but somewhere around there you what, it, it roughly is you, for the teams that made the playoffs last year. My, but their sixth guy played between twenty five to twenty seven minutes. You've got it. the The message here is more along the lines of you've got to have a meaningful guy coming off the bench that can play you extended minutes. And I'm not so sure that the Nuggets won't try to mix and match that. And I've always said with the guys that they have right now, because they're still trying to figure that out, that's dangerous. Right. Because that means you're constantly looking for chemistry. You're, you're, you're trying to figure out who the hot guy is that particular night. And you can swing and miss when you've got that many moving parts. Last year, you could have Murray, KCP, and Brown on the floor at the same time Mm -hmm. because Brown could guard small forwards. Sure. Sometimes they put him against power forwards. Yep. Okay. Then again, he was 6'4 and built like a brick house, right? But you cannot put Reggie Jackson, KCP, and Murray out there at the same time during the playoffs. You lose that versatility. Now... Someone might look at me and say, well, Eric, if if Jeff Green, who played 17 minutes, mm-hmm. and Brown, who played 13 minutes, and Bruce Brown, who played 26 minutes, if you add it all up, well, that comes out to 56 minutes. So why not just divide that by three, and then you have a bunch of guys playing 19 minutes. Matchups are not going to work that way no. in the playoffs. No, Bruce Brown was the ultimate Swiss Army knife. He could do a little or a lot for you uh, matched up against different guys. He could score for you. His handle was okay, um, but he did a lot of things that were that were ap- that you knew you were going to get every single night. That's the difference. Michael Malone at this point has a bench that he looks at, and he's obviously much more in tuned on this than than anyone else. But how much does he really know? How much does he really trust? If And the playoffs don't start today, by the way. We're still months away from this. So this is very much a work in progress. But I don't know if he can look down the bench right now and identify how he would utilize personal uh, 
player group, player groupings right now in a playoff situation? I don't think he has those answers yet. I think he's still working on it. But there's no Bruce Brown coming off that bench. There just isn't. They got to do it a different way. Now, is it paralyzing? No, because you've still got the best starting five in basketball. And, and this is your answer to not having a really strong sixth man. A lot of these guys are going to have to play a lot more minutes in the playoffs. You're going to have to wear out your starting five for 16 wins. And I'm not so sure you can load up those guys with those type of minutes to get to the NBA Finals where they are not going to be exhausted. And that's the margin for error that's much more significant. Right. Right? It, it really is. I mean, there's, there's no question. Now, like I said, it's not paralyzing. You can do it. Uh, the Nuggets are a better road team this year. They've got 13 road wins. Nobody in the NBA has more road wins at this particular point. They are a better road team. They're better suited to go on the road and compete. But, no, you're right. Depth is, I'm not going to say it's a necessity, but you've got to have some depth because the accumulation and the toll of the season, I mean, that is a cumulative thing too, right? Think, think about something else. Michael Porter Jr., his game has gotten better. It has. I think most reasonable mm -hmm. people would yep. agree with that. But would you be surprised to learn that in the playoffs last year, he played less than 33 minutes a game. Yeah. And there were certain spots in the playoffs in the fourth quarter where defensively he wasn't doing what he needed to do. So who came in and replaced him? Bruce Brown. Well, yeah. And and so, well, and we, he didn't have confidence in his shot either. He right. got to a point. He, he was good the first couple of series. Then he got to a point where he just wasn't confident in his shot. So who is the guy that would take his spot if MPJ is not hitting his shot or he's not playing well defensively? I mean, there's only one choice. That's Peyton Watson. That's it. And you and you lose in that train. That's a that that's a lose, right? For the Nuggets, it's not. It's not. It's not something you can't you can't overcome. But now, we're all of a sudden, we're thinking about things that they've got to overcome. There are things they have to overcome. Coming up after the break, CBS Sports Michelle Tafoya reported that she thinks that Travis Kelsey might retire after this season. If he does, do you think the Kelsey podcast, Travis and Jason? Well, I was going to try and think of a good nickname for him with his shirt off. I the, love that. The dude, walking man. bear, maybe. <laughs> do, do you think the Kelsey brothers could ever challenge the Manning brothers mm. for popularity when it comes to a show? Who would you rather listen to? Who would be more entertaining? We know the Manning cast for Monday Night Football. Hmm. Would you have a problem if the Kelsey brothers just slid right in, kicked out the Mannings? It's not going to happen, but would you have a problem with it? That's next. Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. 
Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. Welcome back. Morning Drive. Goodman Hurdle. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us. Roller Auctions Twitter feed. At Bruce Hurdle. At Eric Goodman. Tomorrow, there's an auction for computers, thousands of sports trading cards, golf equipment, bicycles, Apple TVs, workout equipment, and more. Auction is open right now. RollerAuction.com. Get notifications about upcoming auctions at RollerAuction.com. Backslash MHS. Time now for What's Trending. What's Trending. Presented by Silterhar Mazda. Get to Silterhar in Broomfield for a no-pressure buying experience at Silterhar Mazda. Or find them at sthmazda.com. CBS Sports' Michelle Tafoya reported, and I'm quoting, I think Travis Kelsey is looking at future plans with his brother retiring. I could totally see those two pulling off a Peyton and Eli Manning sort of gig. We know the Mannings. Do the Manning cast. Do you think something would be in line for the Kelsey brothers if they both retire at the end of the season? And if you, Bruce, you know a wee bit about TV, if you were a TV executive, what kind of show would you carve out for them? Well, first of all, uh, it works so well with the Manning brothers that you would have to have a pair like the Kelsey brothers before you would even entertain it. But I think they check the boxes. I, I listen. My wife listens to their podcast. So I. Get, That's a big deal. Not because she's a woman. It's because she's a sports fan. Yeah. And she. She swears by it. She said there's not a time that she listens to it that she doesn't laugh, chuckle. She likes both of them tremendously. Fans of both of them and have followed them because of their podcast. Now, the. And she knew, was a Chiefs fan or familiar with the Chiefs well before Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. Well, you cover the Chiefs, that's why. Yeah, but and and she lived close enough geographically in the area that she was touched by it. So yeah, I think it could work. And you know, I mean, and I think executives are just looking for the next pair to come along that could approximate what Peyton and Eli have done, which, by the way, is fantastic. I think they would easily slide in no to, question. to ESPN doing what Pat McAfee is doing. Yeah. Easily. That's the lowest bar. Now, granted, Pat McAfee went to ESPN. Now he is essentially their number one star. Yeah. All you have to do is look at college game day. And he is front and center on that set. Yeah. And he is the he he is where all the eyes go on that set. Not Kirk Herbstreet, not not Desmond, right? Mm-hmm. Not Lee Corso anymore. No. It is all on Pat McAfee because of his personality. Yeah, the Mannings and Kelseys seem to be so different. Meaning, the Kelseys are your everyman. Very, they much so. are rural America type of guys. Meaning, you they are relatable to anybody. The Mannings come off more as professors they have good they have both have a good sense of humor Mm -hmm. they are more buttoned up the show is more buttoned up Mm -hmm. than they do on the manning cast but generally speaking with the kelseys just look at what jason did at that football game you just never know what's going to happen and he's a likable dude yes you know there's there would be some people could you imagine peyton pulling off his shirt no and jumping into the stands or eli 
That's what I mean by you never know what's going to happen. I think Peyton, I, I, but I think that the fact, the similarities though, are the things that would make it work. The similarities are really smart football guys that can get into the weeds with football, but that don't take it quite so seriously right. and themselves so seriously that they can't have a laugh at each other's expense. The Manning, That's some magic there. The Manning cast is more technical. Yeah, it is. And yeah. they get unbelievable guests. I can't imagine how the Kelseys don't get the same number of guests, I, I'm with starting you. with the first guest, possibly being Taylor Swift. <laughs> it, it might work that way, right? Can you imagine the ratings on that? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, they would be stunning, I'm sure. Yeah, put them on Peacock or somewhere. I mean, you know, Peacock is a platform of NBC, is They're doing better than Peacock. Yeah. I think network executives would fall all over themselves I'm just looking to get at, those guys. I'm just looking at platforms. ESPN has uh, has the deuce, so they've got an, a, a made platform. NBC has Peacock. I'm just trying to think of platforms that you could put it on that would uh, that would be supplementing your national broadcast. With that, on a side note, we'll take it another direction. Sure. Mahomes and Kelsey now have the most touchdown hookups of any duo in NFL history. I'm not just talking about tight ends. I believe I'm talking about wide receivers as well. Or is it just tight ends? I thought it was just tight ends, just but tight I could ends. be wrong. No, I think I think it is Still tight pretty ends. damned impressive. Either way, yep. they just passed Gronkowski and Brady. If you had to pick a duo, who would you rather have? Brady or Gronk or Mahomes and Kelsey? It sounds ridiculous to say this, but I think it's probably Mahomes and Kelsey. They've done it in six years. Yeah. They've done it in six years. Their connection over the last point. six years, and that's has been nothing short of remarkable. And Who's the better tight end, Kelsey or Gronk? Who would you rather have? I would take Gronkowski. I think probably Gronkowski, but it wouldn't be by a large margin. But for the for the combo, the combo, yeah. Mahomes, and it sounds ridiculous saying this because you're saying that Mahomes moves the needle enough to take them as a duo over, but Gronk and, and yeah, I mean, that's tough. Those guys won a lot of championships, but I still think, if if I'm going down the field in the last 13 seconds of a game or whatever, fill yeah. in the I think it's probably I think it's probably the, the Chiefs. If I need to go down the field in 13 seconds, mm -hmm. I'm taking Kelsey. Over the body of a game, I'm taking Gronkowski. Yeah. And Kelsey isn't a great blocker. Gronkowski he, is, Gronkow no question. Right. He wasn't great, but he was more than good enough. I mean, the best overall tight end, I think. The greatest overall tight end in the history of the game mm -hmm. is George Kittle. Because, using your word, yes. he's a hellacious blocker. Yes. And he's a great receiver. Yep. Okay. With that, Gronkowski... Gronkowski might not have the same exact speed as Kelsey has, but it's close. The difference is Kelsey doesn't run over people yeah. like Gronkowski did. Gronkowski is, to me, the greatest red zone tight end in history. and Better than Sam Laporta? 
Well, Sam Laporta is trending nicely. I'm joking, but Sam but, Laporta is Mr. Red Zone. But Kelsey, and Kelsey's pretty good there too, but he's unquestioned between the 20s. Yes. When he has space and you've got to try to find somebody to cover him, and the way that he works with Mahomes and continually find, going, mirroring where he goes and then coming back to the ball, I mean, you talk about Mahomes' ability to extend a play, give credit to Travis Kelsey for doing it too because he's always available for Mahomes to do it. As a defensive player, I'd much rather play against Kelsey because if I'm a defensive player, Gronkowski could literally hurt you. Yeah. and yeah, He will run you over. Could. Impossible to go one-on-one with if you're a cornerback, even a safety, even if you're a big safety. It's not that Kelsey is more coverable because of his speed. He's very difficult to cover. But Gronkowski is built with speed and power that he just sheds blockers like a windshield sheds water. Hmm. Yeah. They're, I mean, they are exhibits 1 and 1A. You throw Kittle in there. I mean, he's in that. He's in that discussion. It's remarkable how that position has evolved because I would argue there is no other position in football that has evolved in the last 10 years like the tight end and the use of the tight end. Well, think about this for a second. I'm going to go way back in the day, and then I know that we need to hit a break. My my favorite outside of Bears players, well, not Bears players, Walter Payton. Outside of... Walter Payton, my favorite player growing up was, and I could give you a million guesses and you wouldn't get it, so I'll just tell you, was Dave Casper, <laughs> the tight end for the then Oakland Raiders. Right. Really good blocker, really good receiver. After Dave Casper, I know Mike Ditka probably started it all, but yeah, Dave Casper, and after that it became Kellen Winslow. Yeah, Kellen Winslow was a badass. Back then the most important position on the field was running back. Sure. In the 70s and a decent part of the 80s. Now, tight end is far more important than it is running back. No question. And it's not, and I'm not going to say it's not even close, but you, but think about what a tight end does. Stretches the field. Yeah. Hybrid. You can line them up anywhere along the line of scrimmage that you want. You can line them up in the backfield. You can motion the guy. You can, and then and then there are seam runners. There are seam runners that still to this day create mismatches with their speed and size against guys that can cover them. Okay. As a unit, actually, this is kind of cool to think about. As a unit, let's look at the last four teams left. And I'm going to include a guy who might play, but I'm not sure if he will play. Sure. Okay. Let's look at the teams left. And I'm going to go with running back position. You have McCaffrey, Gibbs, and Montgomery mm-hmm. with the Lions. You really don't have a stud running back for the Ravens. And then you have Pacheco. Okay? You have yep. those four guys. Yep. Would you rather have that foursome? No. Or would you rather have <laughs> Mark Andrews, Kittle, Laporta, and who am I missing? What team am I missing? So you have Andrews, Kelsey, Kelsey, 
Laporta, and Kittle. Kittle. It's a no-brainer. Isn't that crazy? It's a lap. It, it's a lap the field no-brainer. And, and you can make the case that those two teams, those four teams are in the playoffs. Clearly, quarterback plays a major role. But the strongest position groups for the both teams are at running back and tight end. And why do you think I harp on the Broncos and where they are at tight end? What do we have coming up on Just In Case You Missed It? couple of huge scoring performances in the NBA last night, including Joel Embiid scoring 70. And who are the Titans working to finalize a deal with to become their next head coach? That's next on Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle on Mile High Sports. Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. Welcome back. Morning Drive, Goodman Hurdle. Watch us, smileysports.com. You can reach us. Roller Auctions Twitter feed at Bruce Hurdle at Eric Goodman tomorrow. There's an auction for computers, thousands of sports cards, golf equipment, Workout equipment and more. Auction is open right now at rollerauction.com. Get notifications about upcoming auctions at rollerauction.com. Backslash MHS. Time now for the final word. The final word. Presented by Greenfield's Pool and Sports Bar in Lakewood. Greenfield's has everything under one roof, including the best happy hour in town. Two for one wine. Well and drafts from 3 until 7 p.m. Just in case you missed it. Presented by Mountain High Appliance, Colorado's favorite appliance store for 25 years in Louisville, Colorado Springs, and now open in their new store in Littleton. Go to mountainhighappliance.com. Okay, just in case you missed it, a couple of huge scoring outputs last night in the NBA as Joel Embiid dropped 70 points against the Spurs in a matchup against Victor Wembanyama, who had 33 points himself. And then Carl Anthony Towns scored 62 against the Hornets, but the West leading Timberwolves lost at home to Charlotte. The 70 Embiid scored past a Will Chamberlain for the most in a game in 76ers history. Do you think Nikola Jokic will ever have a 60-plus point game? If he wants to. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's simple, if he right. wants to. And But, but I mean, the question will always be with Nikola Jokic, what do I gain from it? Right. And, and the answer, it better be a win that you've got to have. There better be a need for him to go score that many points in a game. It was cool last night for the Sixers. They won the game. It was not as cool last night for Carl Anthony Towns, who dropped 62 in a loss and drew really the ire of his coach, who tended to agree with a question that was asked by a reporter, do you feel like your guy was hunting points? That's never a good thing. In my opinion, I think the greatest part about last night, when you look at both players, but I'm going to narrow it down to one player was Joel Embiid. There was a video that I saw on social media where he walked behind Webb and Yama and rolled his eyes, basically saying, without saying it, this guy's huge. 
Like, he didn't realize how tall yeah. Webinyama was. Yeah, the dude is, the, he takes up some space. But I'm guessing, I'm guessing for Embiid, if he was going to have a game of 70-plus points, he would either want to have it against Jokic mm-hmm. or the new kid in town yeah. that everybody's fawning I'm with over. You. I, I, I'm absolutely with you. Webinyama is an interesting cat. I, I've seen him maybe five, four or five times. When this guy gets a body, I mean, like, literally gets a body. And remember, remember, Joel Embiid came in pretty thin. Shaquille O'Neal was not as Mm-mm. bulked up as he right. eventually became. Sure. So you would hope that, you know, he starts loading up at the training table and throwing a few more weights. Yeah, and, and I think he probably will. He is going to be one imposing human being. If he puts on... If he puts on... He needs to put on about 25 pounds of muscle. Even more than that, yeah. you can make the case. Maybe. Because remember, Ralph Sampson was fragile. He never filled out. Right. Rick Smith's never filled yeah. out. Yeah, there are guys that never did it. Those guys who never filled out tend to be injured, tended to be injured, and never had great NBA careers. Mm. Akeem Olajuwon filled, filled out. out. Same with Shaq. Same with Embiid. Um, Giannis. 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 Yeah. Giannis is a man. Right. But there, there are a bunch of guys I can think of that came into the there's one there's another guy who I'm thinking that came in pretty thin and then just bang, just filled out and he became a great player. And if you name like the great centers, I'm sure that I would think of it. Mm-hmm. But Embiid is a very good example yeah. of a guy who came in pretty thin. Yeah. He's a he's a physically imposing force. That was Mountain High Appliance. Just in case you missed it, you can walk in any store, try out the appliances before you buy them. You want to redesign your whole kitchen? They can help you out there, too. They have a whole sales staff waiting to help you out. Mountain High Appliance. You can find them in Louisville, Littleton. You can also find their clearance center in Denver. Coming up after the break, CBS Sports graded all 30 NBA teams. A, B, C, D, F. There, there is a team that did get an F, not the Nuggets. What was the grade the Nuggets got? That's next.